0: it is the tuesday after the first media day and everything is all ablaze in the city uh i feel good i feel happy Sixers basketball is back or on the way to being back it's the out of sight podcast it's your host Dio royster chill ride chill vibes as always uh like i said media day was yesterday everything sounded looked positive we're gonna get into that in the second half with my guest but first tom west is on the podcast and uh he wrote a nice little piece about matisse stibel about him and his time in the olympics so i'm gonna touch on that first and then we'll ask tom some uh some media day questions what he saw what he liked what he felt etc tom how you doing
1: i'm doing good man thanks for me back on
0: uh always a pleasure as i always say when i have you on the podcast you just bring that touch of class that this podcast sure sorely sorely needs because i you know I'm, I'm just i'm just kind of a riffer out here you know what I, I need somebody to pull the reins back on me every once in a while i'll try my best <laughs> <laughs> so with matisse uh, summer. This past summer, he played for Team Australia, his own country. And the first thing I always think about when players play for like the national teams, it's the quote-unquote, you know, Olympic bump, where players that played in the Olympics kind of have like a better or or at least like close to a career season. Heading into the NBA season, are are you familiar with this with this legend, this myth?
1: Yeah, I think it's it's been a thing before. I mean, will it happen with Matisse? I don't know, but he was very yeah he was very grateful for the experience, and it you know sounds like he he learned a lot and it helped his confidence. So yeah, I think it could be a uh, could give him a boost. It's, I mean, it's at least a special experience as well. You know, for him, obviously he got to win the bronze medal, and for you know for Team Australia for their men's basketball team, that was their first. Men's basketball Olympic medal ever so the fact that that was his first time at the Olympics as well probably made it even more special so yeah it was a good summer for him
0: and when you win the first medal in the history of your country for basketball like that's that's obviously something special that he can take into the season and just you know not necessarily walk around with the medal in the locker room but it still like have that little little piece of oh hey This is what I did over the summer. Yeah, no, exactly.
1: And he just mentioned, like, when he was talking about the experience, how it was just kind of great for him to be able to play more basketball, obviously, and kind of try new things in in an actual game setting. Like he said, you know, kind of once you get to the NBA, it can be hard to kind of get out of your typical role and kind of try, you know, and experiment a little bit and expand and and do things, but still in a game setting, not just your kind of off-season workouts. Um, So I think he appreciated kind of being a larger part of Team Australia, you know, having a few more kind of scoring opportunities, you know, he he scored a little bit more than he would typically with the Sixers, he averaged about eight points a game or so, which is obviously still not much, but he kind of did well in his role there, you know, was kind of aggressive and confident, you know, with any kind of straight line drives and cuts to the basket and obviously was still you know, great defensively. Um, led the Olympics and steals, like with three a game. Like that was always <laughs> going to happen. <laughs> um, it was, I was checking the stats yesterday, and it was the least surprising thing seeing that he led the tournament <laughs> by a mile.
0: Um, ah.
1: Yeah, and and he shot the three well. Two, you know, five five of twelve shooting from three over his six games looked looked fairly confident with his three point stroke. So yeah, I think he was he was really sort of emphasising the confidence aspect of it as well when he was talking about his shooting and how he wants to try and build on that. And obviously. You know, for shooters, obviously you need the efficiency to be there, but just taking the shots, you know, being able to shoot at a higher volume and, and not having to take so much time and needing so much space to just get your shots off it is really useful and defenders are more likely going to close out on guys if they're at least willing to take more shots rather than just when you leave them for, for ages. So I do think if, you know, he can get a bit of an Olympic confidence boost, that could that could certainly help him a bit going into next season.
0: The, the defense is always going to be there. And when it comes to other things about Matisse's game, it's so much the Olympics, especially, you kind of have to look past the stats and rely way more on the eye test. And you're just like, okay, what am I looking at that looks way better slash different than in the NBA season? And the the cuts, the straight drives to the basket were definitely part of that but of course me being who i am and knowing what the sixers need his confidence to shoot that from three was like evident and it was something that you could kind of see he had way more confidence in did you kind of see that too
1: yeah i saw some of that whenever i you know i got to catch a few few you know bits of the games and stuff and you know looking back through his highlights as well yesterday uh obviously you know it's it's a really small sample like you know six games I think 12 three-pointers total. Um, it's obviously not much to go on, but I think, yeah, there was definitely a bit more confidence there. Um, you know, he, he said so himself um, and it kind of helped him take on a slightly larger role and being an important part of the team. Um, and yeah, I think there were, there were just a few threes as well that he wouldn't typically make, whether, you know, maybe take a dribble and head head into a shot or kind of see that his defenders drop back slightly and kind of moving back into a, into a three rather than kind of hesitating and looking to pass. So, there are definitely a few times where he did look confident and aggressive, and, and that's just what you need from him. And hopefully, in time, you know, next season moving forward, he can maintain that. He can start taking a few more threes, um, and, and gradually, kind of, you know, <laughs> if things go as well as possible, for the success, maybe get to, to kind of league average level from uh, with his three-point percentage. That would that would be huge for him. And I think one thing that's important as well is, you know, if Ben Simmons is out of the picture now, it's, it, it is easier to play third and one minutes just because you don't have to worry about playing him next to another non-shooting threat who won't attempt any threes at all. So if you have, you know, more shooting and more space next to Theibel, it's easier to kind of up his minutes a bit there on the wing and kind of really let him kind of wreak havoc defensively, obviously, and then not worry about uh, being as cramped at the other end of the floor. So I think that could help him too, you know, if he can get some extra minutes, get some extra reps, being an even more sort of prominent part of the team, you know, they'll, they'll really need his defence even more if Simmons has gone. Um so yeah, maybe that could help him as well. And yeah, I think all around, if you know, Matisse stays confident and, you know, keeps working on his game as much as he can, I think next season should be a really good one for him.
0: The Olympics are Olympic basketball, it's always a nice way to see how players can be in other roles. And I'm not suggesting that the Sixers do this, but I did see moments where Thibel was one of like four guards in a in a four guard set and he was kind of like the de facto power forward just because of the simple fact that he was like the one that would hustle and get the most rebounds. I'm not suggesting the Sixers do this and run with a four guard set with Joel Embiid. I'm just saying it's a nice little wrinkle that Doc at least might want to consider.
1: (laughs) I mean, yeah. I mean, the benefit of Thibault is that he is so versatile. I mean, he's obviously not too strong. Like he's got quite a slight frame and, you know, big forwards can give him trouble, but, you know, we've seen him defend guys like LeBron at times and, you know, he still has some success just by how he can, you know, get at the ball, get into those bigger players. You know, if someone tries to poke him up, he's had so many steals where he just reaches around uh, against the post up and just pokes the ball away and, and stuff like that. And, um, you know, he'd play some good defense on Kevin Durant in the Olympics. Like he had that that block on one of uh, KD's jumpers, which was just amazing. And, you know, I think everyone saw that shared on Twitter. A ridiculous play, like the, hot, the the release point of KD's jumper is, makes it so. I mean, basically impossible to block. And the fact that Thibault's doing that at six five is is mad. So, yeah, yeah, it's, it'll be fun to see how he's used next year. And I think, yeah, if he can be can be getting more minutes with with Simmons out the picture, I think, yeah, how he benefits from that, what lineups he's used in, and and how the Sixers kind of reshape their defense with. You know, smaller lineups without a kind of six, ten switchable juggernaut like Simmons who think can throw on anyone, it'd be interesting to see how they adjust and, and kind of settle their settle their defense on the wing.
0: Obviously, international basketball is different from NBA basketball. Some of the different some of the distances are different, some of the rules are different. There's way more spacing in the international game. Like when you look at somebody like Matisse and what he did, his roles in the Olympics, are there concerns that you have where you're like, oh, I hope he forgets that he can't do this in the NBA or that this is different in the NBA. Is that something that might be a little bit concerning?
1: Yeah, I think one thing would just be obviously, you know, it's harder for players to draw, you know, draw offensive fouls in FIBA basketball. Um, you know, you don't see as many shooters kind of baiting players into fouls at the three <laughs> and things like that. So the contact is a little different, and they they aren't quite as as quick to to blow the whistle in you know situations like that where players are trying to draw fouls. So I think just him, you know, maintaining his his discipline, you know, will be important. Not getting getting too aggressive. Um, but I do think that is this is something I mentioned in the article that is something he improved that last season. I know obviously the, the late three point foul, you know, in, in game seven against the Hawks is kind of what everyone will be remembering most recently. But Uh I think overall last season, Thibault was better at, you know, kind of being disciplined. Like he did reduce his fouls. I don't think he made as many bad gambles. I think he was in the right spots more often. He kind of picked his spots well. And, you know, yesterday at Media Day, he was asked about, you know, how does he carry over his aggressive play from international games to the NBA? And he just said, kind of, you know, he just needs to kind of prove to himself that he can do it, but he doesn't know what he's capable of now. Like he knows he can kind of carry over the aggressive play at both ends of the floor into the NBA. Like he feels like he's confident enough to do that and he knows he's capable. I think he knows that, you know, last season he made the all defensive second team and he did make improvements. Like I said, like he knows he can do that and play, you know, defense obviously at an elite level. So I think, I think he will ultimately be fine. It's just, yeah, making sure the discipline's there and he doesn't get too, you know, block and and still happy but he definitely did a a better job of that last year
0: i i agree with you because i when theibel was a rookie i loved his aggressiveness on the defensive end but i thought the one thing that he kind of lacked was you know the the discipline to say to himself okay i can't be too aggressive on x player i can't overcommit to this screen like i think he's gotten way better as his second and as his, as the years have progressed
1: yeah no i, I definitely agree i think there's you know there, there are still times where he might might go for a play but you know that maybe he shouldn't have but you know that's part of what makes him who he is and a lot of the time it does just pay off like there's no one there's no perimeter defender that kind of flies and, and just sort of teleports around the floor like bible <laughs> does like he covers so much ground it's unreal whether you know offensive players know what he's trying to do or he's kind of lulling them into a full sense of security and then baiting them into throwing passes or or going for shots that they think they're going to get off cleanly and then he'll fly in for a block like he's yeah it's just ridiculous what he can do and I think if you if you try to tame him too much you know you're not going to get that that playmaking from him and and the massive impact and I think that's one thing you know with Brown and you know um, earlier in his career I think they did kind of just let Thigh ball kind of run pretty freely. And I know one thing that, you know, Doc Rivers and his coaching staff wanted to kind of implement more last season was just kind of instilling a little bit more discipline, just trying to make sure that he isn't going for too many gambles that aren't going to pay off. And I, and, and that worked. And I think he's going to keep learning moving forward. Like his IQ is something that can keep being polished over time. And, you know, his film work and and knowing the players he's against, like he'll be able to pick his spots you know, better and better, I think. So I think if he just keeps, keeps working and all that, keeps putting in his preparation, like, yeah, I, I see no reason why he'll have any struggles and can't continue to be a sort of all defensive level player and, and be in the mix for those teams, you know, for, for many years to come.
0: The other great thing about the Olympics is that it kind of, it's kind of a its own bubble, so to speak. Whereas, yeah, you're playing basketball and there are all these NBA players, but there isn't quite the noise that is in, you know, an NBA offseason or, you know, a media day preseason training camp, stuff like that. So you can just kind of concentrate and focus on the game and just just basketball. So. I, I feel like that speaks to matisse's kind of success at the olympics because he was able to just focus on basketball he didn't really have to have anybody in his ear about you know what does he think about the whole ben simmons nonsense like damian lillard he didn't have to answer all kinds of questions of oh do you want to stay in portland do you want to leave portland like is there something to that
1: yeah i think there could be something to that I, i mean it just sounded like he really appreciated the opportunity to just play more basketball. You know, it's it's a simple thing, but that's what he kind of opened with when he, when he started talking about the Olympics, like it was just good to be able to play basketball and and do it in a different setting. And yeah, I just think it would have been a a really cool experience to kind of get away from NBA life. And yeah, obviously it's been a, it's been a busy, but also not busy off season for the Sixers. (laughs) Like there's been a lot of talk, but not much has, has really happened. It's just kind of been a lot of, drama and a lot of of stories going on so i mean I'd, i'd have thought maybe getting away from that that could be helpful but yeah i just think being able to focus on basketball in a different setting and kind of having that challenge and learning experience would yeah would have definitely been a good one
0: can you imagine if ben simmons was playing for the australia team can you just imagine the epic s show that would have happened no. yeah <laughs> I'm sorry uh, yeah. I had to oh, I had oh. to ask <laughs> I mean I didn't have to I kind of wanted to just to just to get that specific reaction from you <laughs> <laughs> what about uh, the chaos? <laughs> it's all about I'm all about the chaos I'm an agent of chaos on this website uh we're gonna take a quick break and we're gonna come back with Tom and uh we're gonna talk about some stuff from Sixers Media Day see how he felt what he saw, what he liked, etc. Back in a second, out of sight podcast, Liberty Ballers Network, a Vox media podcast. Back in a second. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas city, go Kevin or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. To
1: your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line
0: Okay, we're back with Tom and I'm gonna ask him some questions about media day yesterday. Uh, first thing, Doc and Daryl. Uh, I don't want to say that they looked. They didn't look down, but they they just looked. They just looked tired. They just looked like we're we're done. I'm I'm done talking about this. I'm done dealing with this those are the kind of the facial expressions I got from those two.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, at this point we, we know the fan base is done and they want to move on. I think the, the team obviously wants to resolve this as well. I mean, the continued messaging and the kind of overall, you know, message from the team yesterday, including Doc and Daryl is just that they do want Ben back. You know, that that's what they're saying. They They want to work things out and, you know, Daryl said, you know, Ben's a great player. We expect him back. We expect him to be a 76er. Um, so will that happen? I, I don't think so. Um, I, ju- I just think, you know, Simmons wants out. Um, he, he's not going to change his mind. And I think the best move for the Sixers will be to try and, yeah, you know, load up on that kind of perimeter creation that they need and, and try and find a new way to improve the offense and, and move on from someone who, you know, has made it very clear now that, that he doesn't want to be there anymore. Um can they work it out? I don't know. Um, probably not, but yeah, that, that seems to be where they're at. So I'm sure it is a frustrating situation. And, you know, th- you know, the players on the team as well, when they spoke, they, they said, you know, kind of gave across the message, like, we'll focus on who we have here. And, you know, that's all we can do. Like Tobias said that, you know, the the, the other 29 teams in the league don't care what's going on. Like they're just going to come and play. <laughs> yep. Um, so they have to just get on with things. Um, yeah, I'm sure it's you know a bit of an uncomfortable you know situation right now, but I think Doc and Daryl kind of answered things how they could and, yeah, just pushed that they do want Ben back.
0: I would have said that maybe this could have been worked out, but then I heard about this alleged L.A. trip that the Sixers were going to take. It was going to be Joel and Tobias and, like, the whole team. Once that came out and there were reports that Ben's response was basically, don't come – um i'm sorry there's burning the bridge and then there is taking that bridge detonating it with all of the c4 on planet earth taking the pieces of that bridge putting more c4 on top of that and then blowing the pieces up as well i i think that's where we are with simmons now
1: yeah i mean i i think he's gone i mean i i re- i really can't see a way that this has worked out um you know, the players talked about, you know, trying to reach out and, you know, Tobias, for instance, said he's spoken with Ben. He wouldn't go into details. Obviously, you know, that's, that's a personal conversation between the two. I respect Um, that. Yeah. I, I, I wouldn't expect him to share any details, but I think he made it quite, you know, he was asked, Tobias was asked if, you know, he, he just listens or kind of, you know, talks to Ben and kind of makes the case for, you know, him staying and, you know, while he wouldn't go into any details, I think Tobias did kind of imply at least and you know it, it felt quite clear that you know I'm sure he was trying to encourage Ben to stay and you know talking things out like one consistent message from you know Embiid to Tobias you know to everyone else who spoke thought, uh, Matisse was just that you know you know last season's player for exit wasn't everyone like everyone was to blame everyone was taking accountability for that you know the players Embiid uh, a lot was saying how you know what he could have done better you know talking about turnover issues in game seven you know shooting struggles he went through in that series against the Hawks like everyone was kind of saying that this was all on the team you know everyone had blame and spice was saying how they wanted to kind of communicate that that message to Ben and you know everyone wanted to make it clear that like we're all in this t- together um, and Bede said you know he of course he wants Ben back as well um, and Bede said you know Ben's a big piece of what we've been building the last few years and just kind of made it sound like he just wants to kind of see this through all the way to a championship. And, and that's what Embiid was saying. So yeah, it's, it's, it's tricky. I think, you know, the team has obviously tried to communicate, you know, some of the players did suggest going out there, um, you know, to LA to see Ben. Um, we don't know exactly why, that, why that didn't happen. Obviously Ben said not to come but that was a, a courtesy thing to be like, you know, I'm not changing my mind. Just don't bother coming and waste your time flying out to LA. Right. Uh, I don't know, but, you know, it sounds like the players have tried to kind of talk him around, you know, encourage him to stay and and just said that, you know, that the playoff issues weren't just on you. It was all of us. Um, sounds like they've done what they can, but I'm just still not, yeah, I'm not convinced that anything's going to change. I still feel like Ben's going to be going to be leaving. It's just a matter of when really at this point,
0: I think. There was some positives from the media day. It was, I guess, announced, I guess you could use that verb, that, Embiid's knee is better if not 100% and the plan I guess is for Joel to play more games this season which made me kind of do the whole oh no let's not do that let's have a healthy Embiid for the playoffs but it's encouraging that Embiid's health is seemingly tip-top or as best as we can expect from Joel Embiid at this point.
1: Yeah, no, he looks like he's in really good shape, and you know, he said right away like his knee's been fine. You know, he's been working out all summer, and he's been he's been feeling good, and and you know, he's in good shape. Um, and I think you know one thing that Embiid's talked about, you know, obviously last off season he put a big emphasis on you know his health and you know hiring a dietitian and you know and really working on his his diet and his his physical health and his conditioning and that sort of thing. And I think he's also you know continued to show for his career and you know last season as well just an understanding of being in shape for the playoffs is what's most important to him and, you know, to the team. Like that's where he needs to be at his best. If that means missing a few more games, it's it's worth it in the grand scheme of things like keeping the, the long view of, you know, playing for the playoffs. Um, so I think, you know, with him knowing that, continuing to get in better shape, you know, he was, he was in, you know, great shape last season, obviously the best year of his career, MVP level, um, you know, improved conditioning and, and just activity was part of that. I think knowing that and knowing that he needs to keep in shape, I, you know, I'm sure he'll, he and the team will kind of work on managing the amount of games he plays and you know not overdoing things in the regular season. Um, but yeah, certainly very encouraging that he's had a full, healthy off season to kind of get ready for the new year after you know last off obviously being rushed after the bubble and everything.
0: Like I'm, like I'm saying, you know, say what you want about the Sixers, but I still believe that with a healthy Embiid and the pieces around them I I still think the Sixers are a top 3 team in the east. I don't I don't see it from the Knicks. I don't think the Hawks are there. I it's the Bucks, the Nets and the Sixers. I firmly believe that because Joel Embiid is healthy on the floor. If that's the case, the Sixers are a top 3 team in the league. Period. End of rant.
1: <laughs> I think um a bit lower on the six just in terms of I mean it's so hard to know what the team is even going to look like. I'm I mean killing for, the reg- me, for the regular I'm sorry man, I'm sorry You're to killing be negative, me. but damn I it. mean as you know obviously we all know about Simmons' playoff struggles and obviously you know the lack of offensive development's an issue but he's still a really good player. You know, he makes the sixes much better in the regular season. Like he's a big part of them being as good as they were last year. Um You know, he was he was an essential part of the team and and they won't be as good in the regular season if they don't have him. You know, if they trade him for, you know, a few young guys and a bunch of picks are obviously not going to be as good in the short term either. So that's a concern. And I think, you know, a few, you know, multiple teams in the East kind of improved this offseason. Like the Nets have added, you know, some good role players. Obviously, if they can stay healthy, that's huge for them. Um, the Hawks. If Go they can, if they can, team, like.
0: if the Nets can stay healthy, and if Kyrie gets vaccinated and actually plays home games. Oh yeah, I'm not even. <laughs> that. But
1: yeah, you know
0: they've added some good
1: pieces like you know Patty Mills and Paul Millsap and stuff. So you know basketball wise, like the Nets have have put some good stuff together this off Like the Hawks can get better. Like they have so many young players um, that can keep developing. You know like Cam Reddish, um, Kevin Herter, and Yacare Kongwu. Um, there's room for some internal development there and you know I really like Miami's offseason you know bringing in Kyle Lowry and, and PJ Tucker so it's, it's going to be tough in the east next year you know as we've seen it you know it's consistently been kind of strengthening at the top of the conference but yeah just so much rides on what happens with the Ben Simmons trade because right now it's hard to see where that big improvement's going to come or you know what star or what guard is going to become available that the Sixers will want to go after to pull the trigger and and really make a sort of actual notable upgrade for when they do get to the playoffs so yeah it's hard to project right now but like you said Embiid being an MVP calibre player is the most exciting thing for the team and if if he's in that shape and if he's playing that well like they at least have a chance in any given night um, against most teams so yeah there's still ways for the Sixers to get better it's just yeah it's really challenging and hard to see what's going to happen when we don't know what they'll be getting for
0: Simmons. Even if there isn't like that guard that the Sixers trade for, there is a, I mean, a kind of ascending star in Tyrese Maxey. So of course he got a lot of attention. And one thing that I took note of was just how much praise he got from Danny Green and saying how, yeah, this, this kid is going to be something special and I can't wait to see what happens. Like there's that kind of belief in Maxi. And I know, I know he's a young kid and it's really hard to throw him into something like this, but you know what? I, I feel like it's different from the Markel Fultz situation. I think we've talked about this. I think, I, I think Maxie has a very high ceiling and maybe it's time to, kick that into gear a little bit I don't know what do you think
1: no I th- I, I I agree I mean I'm I'm super high on Tyrese Maxey as well like all you know all last year I, I was you know really high on him and and I think that just continued to you know go through the season like the improvements he made as the season went on like I think we've talked about this just you know kind of getting a bit more comfortable with his jumper and you know getting all the way to the rim more not using the floater too much just improving defensively you know shuffling his playmaking a little bit like he's really grown so much and you know his teammates talked so much about you know his talent and his promise last season and you know just always saying you know how eager he is to learn how um much he you know looks for advice and ways he can improve and and things like that and you know Doc Rivers and others would say you know just how hard he works and like Doc always said like Maxi was kind of the hardest work on the team like he puts in the most practice hours you know off the court um you know away from away from team practices and yeah I just think when you factor in how much he's grown already like the skill set that he has which is you know just being a creator from the perimeter the shiftiness he has like that's something the sixes need I think just when you factor in that with his confidence his work ethic to just keep improving the development he's shown already and just how high you know, Doc and his teammates are on him. Like, they're going to put him in good positions and I think they're going to need that this year. <laughs> Especially if Simmons isn't around. Like, I think it's quite, you know, Doc wouldn't say, you know, who's going to be starting or what changes might happen, but I think it's it's fairly clear and, and pretty likely that, you know, that would be Tyrese Maxey if, you know, Simmons is around, isn't around, sorry. So, yeah, there's a great chance for Maxey to get even better next year. And I think he will. Like, I'm super high on his, you know, potential both you know, for next season and, you know, a few years down
0: the line when he's had more time to develop. This is one thing that I took away and I'm going to, this is going to be my last point. Like as noisy and as incredibly frustrating as this off season has been, the team is in like very high spirits still. And that is incredible. And the best example of this was the, the, unexpected roast of danny green as we went through Meaty day uh you had Joel off to the side when danny was at the podium yelling you suck and then danny was just like yeah he's just mad because we beat his ass a couple of times in pickup but then you get the tyrese maxi his line and when he responded to what danny thought of him is out here throwing shots he's like yeah that's great to hear from Danny he's only like 54 years old and he's been in the league for like 32 years I'm like yo this team is still very positive going into the season so that's something I want to feed off of
1: yeah no I don't blame you like there are there are some really good characters on the team like everyone (laughs) loved Danny last year like it's a it's a cliche thing but he is a good vet like everyone really appreciated him on the team just you know what he does off the court as a leader, you know, the advice he'd give to young guys, whether it was like, you know, advice to uh, Maxi, you know, defensive pointers for for Thiball, like everyone really, you know, valued what he brought to the team. And yeah, like he clearly gets on <laughs> well with the rest of the team. And like, yeah, the jokes with Maxi and that like yesterday were, were good fun. Like there was a lot of, a lot of focus on the Ben Simmons situation and kind of the, the constant, you know, drama and, and, you know, wondering what's going to happen with that. So yeah, seeing them like, taking the piss
0: out of each other was <laughs> a bit <crazy> than that. <laughs> uh, okay so i have two i have two final questions these are more like personal i i do it every time you're on the podcast it's been like a month since i've had you on the podcast any improvements uh de-evolutions in the covid stitch over there across the pond
1: pretty steady at the moment
0: um that's good <laughs> i think it's
1: yeah it's kind of following the same same direction. Uh, booster jabs are going to be a thing sort of as we get into autumn and the winter. Um, nice. So we'll see how that goes out. I don't know exactly how quick the rollout of that's going to be, but we'll see how that goes. But yeah, um, I'm happily fully vaccinated now, which is good. And, um, you know, everyone I know is like, I think, you know, most adults are now um, and have been for a little while. So that's great. Um, so yeah, the, the COVID situation is is not too bad here. How are things progressing where you are?
0: Uh, Over here, a lot of the same Uh, President Biden got his booster shot yesterday, he did it on camera. So that was encouraging. Uh, Still waiting on the FDA approval for vaccinations for school age kids. So that should be, I think, happening like mid late October, I think we're just waiting for the words to say, hey, come get those kids, come get those kids vaccinated. Let's go. (laughs) Um, But apparently, I was watching something the other day where it was like 26 and percent of all new covid cases are from school-age children which is deeply concerning let's get shots in those arms like let's go um but outside of that it's, it's it's a lot of the same here too so that's good that's good i mean yeah i hope i
1: hope the winter goes all right but at least we're finally moving on and yeah just want to encourage everyone you know get
0: vaccinated if you haven't been already and uh we'll hopefully get past this thing as as quick as we can <laughs> and last and finally uh no time to no time to die the the new bond film is coming out and like that's daniel cray's last one i have to ask you as a citizen of the united kingdom do you have any thoughts about who should be the next bond if you even care whatsoever because uh, like doctor a... who it's, it's kind <laughs> of an institution
1: yeah, no, I've got my ticket to go watch it on Saturday, actually. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's a that's an interesting question. I mean, there's been rumours going on about who the next Bond is going to be for like years now. And I don't think it's, I don't follow it that, that closely, but I feel like it's got absolutely nowhere. <laughs> um, Richard Madden, I think, is like an interesting candidate. That's a good um, one. That's one guy I'd be interested in. Tom Hiddleston has been rumoured quite a bit, I think, in the past, but I, I don't think it'd be great for it um yeah I'm not too worried I think Richard Madden is interesting I always thought Idris Elba would have been a good one too but I don't know if he's getting a little bit older now for it you know obviously the the films have been held up a little bit I don't know if he'd take on that role at this point of his career but yeah those are a couple of guys I could I could see doing it well um but yeah I'd just like to know at this point it's been it's been rumored for ages and we've known Craig's been moving on for (laughs) a long time now so yeah I don't know when they're going to pick someone
0: I I somebody said that uh, it came across my Twitter timelines that like Idris Elba was maybe a little bit too old. I would just like to point out that Sean Connery did Never Say Never Again in 1986, I want to say, and he was like 53 years old. So age means nothing.
1: I'm sure Idris could simple it off. Even yeah. if it was just for a couple of films. But I'm and, sure he could do it.
0: And then I also tweeted this um Kate Blanchett, uh, because Two reasons: one, I think she would rock the hell out of it. Two, did we not see her in Oceans Eight? She's kind of a badass.
1: Yeah, that would be interesting.
0: So, that'll just interesting. Just we we solve all problems on this podcast: Sixers problems, James Bond casting problems. We do it <laughs> all on this podcast. Uh, Tom West, always lovely to talk to you and uh, get that little piece of class on the podcast. You can follow Tom on Twitter at Tom West NBA we are covering all of the Sixers media days this week and start of training camp and preseason so keep it locked on the twitter Tom always nice, always lovely talking to you my friend always a pleasure man thanks for me <laughs>